When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, when you use code DNVR at sign up, first time users, you're going to get $150 in free bets. All you need to do is bet $5 on any NBA team to win this postseason. Yeah, favorite or otherwise. Take the easy money, five bucks, turn it into 150 in free bets on DraftKings Sportsbook. When you use code DNVR, I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And in just a moment, you're going to hear a wonderful podcast that we recorded myself, Susie Hunter, and our guest all the way from Oakland, California, Jessica Kleinschmidt, talking about all the shenanigans going on in Oakland and has some interesting thoughts on whether or not the athletics will be staying in Oakland in the foreseeable future. I thought that was very, very insightful, but... Let's get into Monday night's game. The Rockies do lose 7-6. to six. It's their 11th consecutive loss to the San Francisco Giants. They did at one point have this game tied up at sixes. The real turning point, there were several in this game. It's hard to really pin down just one. The first one, Antonio Senzatella removed after just two innings was settling into Quite a groove, did walk the leadoff hitter of the game, Lamont Wade Jr., before striking out two straight to end the first. He had a strikeout in the second inning, three strikeouts. He had eight in his previous six starts to open the season. So he was grooving, essentially. But as it turned out, you know, he had some back inflammation, lower back tightness, a strain there that went back to a few days ago, a bullpen session at Coors Field, tried to tough it out. Uh, He felt it at first on the comebacker from Jock Peterson in the first. Then again, when needing to uh, cover first base or rather work his way over to first base on a time of the cell ground ground ball in the second. And then it was just too much. And right there is when you could have said that was it. That was the turning point of why the Rockies lost this game. Ty Block ended up coming in. Uh, He did well. That fifth inning was the one that ended up getting to him. Kurt Casale homered in the third, and he did the same thing in the fifth with a three-run home run. So right there at that point, four runs on the ledger of Ty Black, Ty Block. But that that wasn't really the the major turning point because the Rockies had those opportunities in the fifth, sixth, and seventh. They get two runs in the fifth thanks to a Connor Joe one-out single. Daza single, so you got runners on first and second. Charlie Blackman doubles to score Joe, and C.J. Crone 
has a base hit there that scores Daza to chip away at that lead. It's now 4-3. Well, Ryan McMahon ties it up 4-4 with a home run. Love to see that. And then in the seventh, they get two more runs thanks to a couple free bases by Giants pitching. And they tie it up 6-6, and you think, okay, this game is really starting to go the Rockies' way. They've got momentum. They definitely had that momentum. And unfortunately, closer Daniel Bard, he may have struck out all three outs that he recorded, but he did not strike out all three batters he faced because third man up with two outs in the top of the ninth, Mike Yastrzemski, homers 430 feet, two right field. I think the ball did end up landing in that second deck. That one was a big one. And in the bottom of the ninth, Rockies, you know, couldn't really get anything going. C.J. Crone did walk. You saw Sam Hilliard come in as a pinch runner, thinking that maybe a, a double could score him from second base, but they were not able to get that done. Ryan McMahon did have the big home run, as I said, tying it there, but, you know, he did have a big error, which he talked about post-game, saying, you know, it ended up leading to two runs in the seventh inning, which very much was true. That was his eighth error of the season. He had seven all of 2022, and so that's something that, you know, needs to be addressed some shape or form. We're going to talk about all that and more on Tuesday's show going down at noon. You can listen to us live and check us out over on the DNVR Sports channel over on YouTube. We'll get into some of that game recap, talk about the final two games in the series. We've got some news on Chris Bryant. He's got a rehab stint coming up here in Albuquerque. When exactly will he be, will he be back this weekend? We'll talk about that as far as when he's predicted to come back. What does that mean for the bench, four players on the bench, or is it only going to be three? Are we going to see a pitcher go away? Antonio Senzatella's injury. What does that mean for Sunday? He's supposed to start against the New York Mets. There are a couple candidates that could go in there and take a spot, maybe for a short while. How long? When's the next off day outside of this Thursday coming up? So we'll get to all of those options, Ty Block, Chad Cool, Ryan Feltner, to go on Sunday. And the implications if you go with one man over another. And news that is just breaking here late. Uh, it is after midnight when I'm recording this. And looks like Dom Nunez will likely be packing up his stuff. He definitely was packing it up, but it seems as if he will be going to AAA. Someone's getting called up. And all signs, all signs seem to point to Brian Servin. So hopefully I'm not a little bit too ahead of this one, but I did want to get you this post-game recap from Monday night. And now enjoy what was a real great time that we had on Monday between myself, Susie Hunter, as well as Oakland Athletics uh, reporter for No Filter Network, Jessica Kleinschmidt. Welcome to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am Patrick Lyons. And I am Susie Hunter. Happy That's Monday it. to you. That's when Happy, we record thank this. Thank you. Happy <laughs> Monday to you, Susie, and, and to all of our loyal listeners. We've got a great show talking baseball in general, but we've got a very good guest coming on here very shortly, Jessica Kleinschmidt, who covers the Oakland Athletics for various news outlets. Uh, it's hard to keep up because she's doing so many things, you know? She does so much. I mean, she covers the A's, but I also just see her as a woman of baseball because she is all places at all times. 
um, and so active on social media. One of my favorite personalities in the world of sports. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, we, we got to kind of clean our palates a little bit after a rough weekend against the Royals. Not sure if you heard, but Terry Bradshaw, the hitting coach, not the football player, but Royals Thank hitting you. coach, Terry Bradshaw is, I believe, the first coaching firing in all of baseball. Royals fired their hitting coach uh, on Monday, uh, despite the fact that the Royals did win two out of three. They did score 26 runs. Okay, it's at Coors Field. So really, you know, maybe that's more like five runs anywhere else uh, over three games. But uh, he does lose his job despite the success. And one of the things that we didn't talk about on the show at any point was, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on Sunday, but I usually know how it goes on Sundays, but the Royals did not take batting practice once all weekend at Coors Field. We didn't see them take it once. I didn't see it happen on Sunday either, um, which I we, we thought was so strange. Not one single time. And we were kind of wondering, maybe they're resting up a little bit. You know, it takes a little longer to, like, to let your body recover at elevation. So it was strange for sure. And it's still strange now. Never seen that at all. Uh, of course, there have been times in which I, I think in 2019, I remember when the Blue Jays came, uh, I want to say it was early June, and you had to get down on the field to watch Vlad Jr. take BP. I made sure I was there, cleared out a chunk of my schedule to watch, and I'm glad I did because the next day on Saturday, I think it had rained, so they didn't take batting practice down on the field. And then Sunday, of course, usually a day game after a night game, you're not going to see really any batting practice. That's That's usually the norm, so... Very strange, not at all, but, but I, I liked your take on that of, hey, you know what, they're just kind of concern, uh, concerning their energy just a little bit to make sure that, you know, they can they can go it hard. I mean, that, that could be an interesting strategy that a lot of teams could take, maybe even the Colorado Rockies, who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll never do BP again, who knows? It's very interesting. Well, one team that probably should think about taking some more BP after a rough Sunday is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now... Then again, they did win the game on Sunday for anyone who may be living under a rock, if you will. Rookie Hunter Green uh, had a somewhat of a no-hitter. We'll get to that in just a second. And yet, the, despite the fact that the Pittsburgh Pirates did not have a single hit through their eight opportunities in Pittsburgh, they won the game one nothing. That's baseball. Baseball is so weird. It's so weird, and it's also so sad for the Reds. The Reds are going to Reds um, uh, to, you know, basically have a no-hitter and lose the game. They've been playing pretty well, actually, uh, as yeah. of recent. I think they won a series maybe against the Marlins, so they've been doing really well. But according to Elias Sports Bureau, the fact, although the Pirates did not get any hits, it was not a no-hitter because it has to be nine innings or more. And so because Pittsburgh scored a run in the eighth, they didn't run back out there in the ninth, didn't need to, they won the game. So it is not a no hitter, but it does go down as, as a rarity. It's only, I believe the sixth instance of a team, at least since 1901 in the modern era of a team winning a ball game, despite the fact they did not get a single hit. That is pretty wild. It's so strange, but it is not, it, it hasn't never happened. True. Yeah, 2008 was the was the last one. Dodgers uh, won a game against the Angels. 
And I, I don't, I do. The only one I do remember is uh, the one thrown in 1990 by Andy Hawkins of the Yankees. He wasn't a very good player, but it was just one of those things as a kid, you go, that's like impossible. Like no hit is like the greatest thing you could do. Okay. Yeah. Perfect game is better, but come on. But a no hitter is just the greatest thing you could do. And when you do great things, you win. No, not not the case. Also happened to Cleveland in 92 against Boston where they won a game uh, despite not recording a hit. Happened once to the Tigers and the Reds in 1967-1964, respectively. Now, here's something that I know you would like, and I didn't include in our notes because I wanted to catch you by surprise. Oh, I love surprises. So you like this. It's not that great of a surprise. But anyway, okay. it's about me, really. Is, I'll is temper this, my expectations. Okay, I think that's fair. So Hunter Green had uh, a no-hitter there going into the eighth, walked the first two batters before they went to the bullpen. I think he was at 118 pitches, so he had thrown a lot. Well, it was the longest no-hit performance by a Reds rookie since Travis Wood in 2010. He had actually carried a perfect game into the ninth against the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park, and I was at that game. You were at that game. Nice. Um, I... I was surprised by that fact. Who knew? Yeah. I don't remember it. it. <laughs> that was that was a day where I'll say this, a lot of things went wrong leading up to the game. Ended up going by myself. But I had tickets. So I have I had to go. And yeah. so I got there like right at first pitch, kept score, sat in uh I think the second deck, third deck maybe, even in, in right field, and was like, Oh my god, this is why you go to the ballpark because you just don't know what's going to happen. And the, I can, I can remember being a little annoyed at the Phillies fans because they wanted to win that game. It was, a, it was a very close game. I think the Phillies did end up winning it in extra innings, but it was like, this is historic guys. Come on. Let's just take off your Phillies caps and put on your baseball caps. And that makes sense to me. I, I know if you really break it down, they were already wearing baseball caps. No, you put on your MLB. I'm a baseball cap yes. type person. You want to see the perfect game or even a no-hitter. Forget the win. But nevertheless. Phillies fans don't come in that setting. It's true. They just do not. That's not. It was not part of their manufacturing. No, def- definitely not. My my. I think this is an easy would you rather. But <laughs> I'm curious of what your take is. Would you rather get no-hit but you win the game or you lose and your pitcher throws a no-hitter? You know, I mean, I have my answer. Of course, you know, it's cool to throw a no-hitter and, you know, be a part of that really cool history, but wins are wins. You got to win. That's No-hitters don't get you World Series rings. Yeah, that's 100% my answer, just because, like, if you lose the game and you're, you're pitcher through a no-hitter, I mean, hey, good for him, bad for the team. So there's that balance, whereas if you got no-hit, you know, you're going to be laughing like, yeah, we the other team was better than us. They kept us from getting a hit. Now they they put us on base somehow or, you know, maybe there's a catcher's interference, whatever it was, a couple errors. But we made the most of it and we won the game. That's like that's something the whole team, I think, can be proud of, despite the fact that, hey, look, we were beat. They were a better team than us, but we ended up winning the game. So, yeah, I think that's that's almost an easy one. Right. Of. Yeah. The win. Sure. Sure. We didn't get any hits. Who cares? The only stat line that really matters is, boom, runs. We won that game. So, baseball is not baseball does not exist for individual accomplishments. 
No, no, it does not. No. All right, how about how about this one? This isn't necessarily a would you rather, but this is a prediction. We talked about this on Sunday's post game show. Again, you uh, if you're watching live, you may have consumed this uh, as a podcast when it drops every morning, five a.m. Monday through Friday. But always make sure you're going over to our YouTube channel, DNVR Sports. Uh, so you can take a look at our wonderful backgrounds and our at-home studios. But we've talked about the longest consecutive games played streak. You know, with Merrifield uh, is up to 501, hit the 500 mark at Coors Field over the weekend. So we said, well, what are the longest streaks for the Rockies? And I think we may even still have that graphic up here. Uh, but you had Vinny Castilla at number one, 307 consecutive games. Nafi Perez on there twice. Todd Helton, of course, on there, 212 consecutive games. And then fifth, less than a full season, less than a full season, the fifth longest streak by a Rocky player is 152 by Dante Bichette. So, Susie, what do you think we're going to see first? And maybe, maybe we're not alive. So what do you think will happen first, whether we're alive or not to see it? A Rockies player plays 162 games whether that's in, in just a regular you know one season or it's over the course of two seasons, so full seasons, which we know that has happened four different times, or is it more likely we see a 30-game hit streak Ooh. by a member of the Colorado Rockies? Oddly enough, the record, the franchise record, is 28 by Nolan Arenado. So there hasn't even been one of those yet. What do we think is, is more likely to happen, 162 consecutive games or the 30-game hit streak by a Rocky. Ooh. It's also been a while since Nolan's 28-game hit streak, because that was in 2014. Yeah, wow, you're right. That was a that was a while back. We're almost on a decade at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know which one I would rather have, but which one do I think we're more likely to see? <laughs> yeah. I would rather have the 30-game hit streak. Um, I was on a soapbox about this yesterday, and I've now decided this is the hill I'm going to die. I'm like, guys need days off. I don't want them playing. 162 consecutive games. Um, so I'd rather have the 30 game hit streak because that sounds like a more productive use of everyone's time. Um, but I don't know if that's what we're going to see. I, I'm going to say, but yeah, I'm going to say we're more likely to see the 30 game hit streak first though. It's sometimes it's not very fun to agree with someone. It's, it's more, it's, it's more entertaining to argue, right? John, what's up uh, in our, in our chat here. I know he would love for us to, to clash a little bit, but I think you're right. Despite the fact that we have not even seen a 30 game hit streak by a member of the Colorado Rockies, it just feels like it's more likely to happen because really, you know, you, you take a couple seven game home trips, uh, home stands, and all you got to do is, is get a couple hits there on the road and it's going to happen. Whereas, as you said, it's it's super important for players to get their rest uh, over the course of the marathon that is uh, 162 game season. So I, I don't know that guys are even going to have the chance to do that. But you, everyone out there, is going to have a chance to take part in our annual DNVR golf outing this Friday, May 20th at Spring Valley Golf Club. It's going to be popping off whether you're a member or otherwise. If you aren't a member, you should make sure you sign up to the dnvr.com. It's only 50 cents for your first month. If you're ready to go all in on the annual membership, you do get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. When you come down for any of our watch parties, we got an Avs watch party. Is that tonight or is that Tuesday night? No, it's Tuesday night. Tuesday, Tuesday night. night watch party for the Avs. Uh, you get a member size beer, or as Johnny Depp would call it, the Mega Pint. 
You get price breaks on the Broncos tailgates, Denver, uh, Denver Nuggets party bus. We're going to do something like that for the Rockies coming up this summer. Extra raffle tickets at all of our watch parties. When you're a member, it's a smart choice. The DNVR.com to sign up. Again, only 50 cents for your first month. And look, if you're having trouble sleeping, you need to be well rested. This, this show is going on live at noon. Again, make sure you're going over to our YouTube channel, DNVR Sports, to watch, watch us. And if you're still feeling a little bit groggy, at noon, guess what? You might need to change some of your sleep habits. And Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies is going to leave you feeling resting, rested and refreshed in the morning. It's not an over-the-counter drug that's going to knock you out and leave you in a fog. You don't want that. It's Wana's carefully calibrated formula that contains 10 milligrams of CBD and just a hint of THC that will have your eyelids feeling heavy in just 5 to 15 minutes. It definitely works i know firsthand in zero minutes you can actually order this you can order your wana optimals fast asleep gummies at lightshade.com and get 25 percent off with code dnvr use code dnvr at any of lightshade's 11 denver metro area locations you can also make sure if you're not able to come down to the corner of colfax in york to watch the avalanche uh, in the second round of the stanley cup playoffs if you can't join us for the watch party you can watch at home yes there is actually a way to watch nuggets and abs right now from the comfort of your own couch it's with avaca tv head over to avaca.tv slash dnvr avaca is spelled e-v-o-c-a dot tv slash dnvr and what you get is a price that's locked in for 25 dollars a month no contracts no hidden fees nothing like that just got to pay for the cost of the receiver and you can watch nuggets abs even the colorado rockies colorado rapids they're looking great after a 2-0 victory over the weekend Mammoth, CSU, Rams, Denver Pioneers, you name it, all in one spot. Evoca.tv slash DNVR for this very special offer. And on top of that, another offer. Use code DNVR when you go to Evoca.tv slash DNVR. And you're going to get $10 off your first three months. So now we're talking only $15 per month to start. All right, people are, are, are tired of, of hearing me talk. Uh, it, you, may, you might only be mildly tired of hearing Susie talk. So we we right we got to bring in some fresh blood here coming in all the way from the Bay Area. Give it up for Jessica Kleinschmidt. What's going on, Jessica? Hi guys, I'm so happy to be here. I will never be sick of both of you talking. So <laughs> you're an angel. You're an angel. I, and Susie, Susie's actually going to Venmo me later for that compliment. So <laughs> I am. Yeah. Uh, but for those of you who do not know, Jessica is a multimedia journalist for the A's. She's the host of Burning Questions on the No Filter Network, and she's an absolute star on social media, talking all things baseball. Um, she is not to be confused with Topanga from Boy Meets World. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, we got to ask you a, a very important question about uh, a new member of maybe the A's press coverage. Uh, there was a surprise guest in the press box the other night. You know, he's not a new member. That's the thing that is beautiful. This guy, this or girl, has been around for a while now. Now, we have a rally, a rally possum that likes to make its presence known. Um, this has probably been going on for the last four seasons or so from what I've seen in person. And it's funny, Susie, because you mentioned this, this rally possum. I thought it was a different scenario. That goes to show there's multiple scenarios that have happened here. Um, I don't have to do as much post-game press conference or, or 
coverage now that I'm just um, more of the reporter side instead of the beat reporter. So while the beat writers were still writing, they looked up and this possum was staring at them. Now, this was in the press box. However, Susie, you did see a screenshot that I took of a conversation that me and my boy Dallas had. I thought you were referring to that story. And that story was during the actual television broadcast. Dallas Braden and Glenn Kuyper, of course, are play-by-play and color analysts for NBC Sports California. You hear a shriek, like an actual audible shriek coming from both Dallas and well, I'm going to say it's, I believe it was Kite, but they're being really good boys about it and saying like, I'm not going to throw my boy under the bus. An audible shriek because this possum or maybe another possum showed up in the TV broadcast right next to Glenn Kuyper. And so, yeah, this possum has been making its name, its presence known for quite a while, but I thought you were referring to the TV broadcast. So it goes to show this guy's definitely getting around. And yeah, I think he's actually now a member of our press coverage now. Oh my gosh. I had no, I just saw the one on Twitter. This is amazing. I mean, I personally love possums and I will absolutely go on a soapbox later on why possums are actually not gross. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot going on at the Coliseum this season. Um, I hear more about the Coliseum than I hear about the actual A's themselves. Yeah, that sounds about right. I feel that has a lot to do with, um, a lot of people aren't following me enough because I'm definitely trying to make sure that they're paying attention to the A's. However, I do know that it's kind of the the scenario where the Coliseum is just, it's, it's older and it's historic. It's full of all kinds of his, history that has happened. But you talk about the Rally Opossum, but we also have like some of the best fans in the game. We have a lot of, I mean, you guys literally used my photo of me flexing with a WWF. Well, I'm going to say WWF because the actual belt was made during the WWF era. Um, so Undertaker fan in me was just there. She is. Look at look. I am glowing. I yes. am glowing in that photo. And that's just some of the stuff that takes place during our games. And that was just in the left field bleachers. And the guys I was surrounded with, one was dressed like um, a bunch of the, the WWE superstars. Ric Flair was there. We had our big stuff. So we had, exactly, he was there wearing all gold, um, definitely taking the attention away from me, which I did not appreciate. But it, it just goes to show how wonderful these guys are. Susie, you've been there. You see what happens. And we have the treehouse that's always fun right field bleachers they have the drums so if you don't want to go and watch the actual a's play themselves you're guaranteed to have a fun party and i think that's also a, an added bonus to being at the coliseum jessica you have, have to, jessica you've taken the the podcast to another level here because Susie has learned very quickly that there's a lot of us in the rockies press box that are into wrestling or at least are aware of it enough and so you coming on to at least acknowledge that the, the discrepancies between WWF and WWE yes. and the respect you have for, for the A's belt there. I mean, <laughs> let Susie know how, you know, how pivotal pro wrestling could be in, in the, the fabric of our nation. So it's actually the reason why I love storylines and drama so much, because, you know, back when we were little, we refused to believe it was fake. Right. And then once you got older and you actually saw them kicking while they were slamming on the actual uh, wrestling mat itself, it blew your mind. Like Mick Fo the Mick Foley Undertaker drama got me through my you know, my youth and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H and all of that, that literal those storylines just 
shaped the young child that I was. Plus I was playing little league with nothing but boys. So I'd actually go to practice and be able to talk about all of this. And my dad didn't let us watch it. And I thought it was because it was violent, but he just thought it was cheesy. He was like, no, I don't, it's not, it's not violent. It's literally the least violent thing you could watch on television. He's just like, it's cheesy. So that's kind of ultimately what, what that where that turned out. It was just like a good community. And, you know, it just, it's so, I don't even know how to describe it. It just, I would, I get to interview some of the biggest superstars in the game. I could walk by Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. I just did the other day and I would stop in my tracks for Undertaker. So that's, that goes to show how much of a pivotal moment WWF had on my youth. And it was what bonded me and my little brother. I love that. So you've, you've opened the cage door to a conversation that I'll need to have a Susie pregame about uh, the, 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 the whole etymology, everything that went into Hell in the Cell. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Rock and Sock Connection, all of it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Let's keep so doing this. Now, Let's this is we keep doing our reference. I just got really nostalgic. That's my bad. Oh. Hell in the Cell. That's what's up. And Kane, Undertaker has a brother, too. So, Susie, you could be more of a Kane gal, you know? And, if, he's, and now he's also, like, running for Congress. So, like, it's it. the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. dnbr wrestling book it all Done. right we just started a new beat someone reserve the twitter handle all of that are you you talked about seeing shohei you talked about mike trout and like you said you, you bump into some famous people i did see on instagram you did bump into blake anderson from workaholic so i've got to know on a scale of one to ten how much do i look like him um, you, you definitely look like him and you have the vibe too. He was really cool. He's a big ace fan. He actually lives out near where I live right now, um, in Concord. So like maybe 10 minutes away from me. Um, so he's always at the A's games. He'll like chug beers with the fans out in the parking lot. And if you watch my interview with him, he was very open. He's like, I did, like and him and Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman, of course, with the blue Jays now, but he, they were all, they're huge fans of each other. And he was just saying like, he wants to party with Matt Chapman, hardcore and all of that. But yeah. He threw out the first pitch wearing his bear, that bear costume from workaholics, super nice guy. Um, it was one of those scenarios. Cause it's a brand new position that I'm in. And they're like, do you want to go interview Blake Anderson? I was like, Oh, I mean, I guess, I guess I'll go interview Blake Anderson. Dude was dope. Really quick interview stuff. I just came up right off the bat of me. And yeah, if you look up, you'll see him G easy randomly comes to games. Of course, MC hammer is constantly there. Uh, Ricky Henderson just shows up because it's Ricky Henderson. He can do it every once and all of that, but you know, it's, it's really cool. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Um, happy to hear that he's cool. IRL and they definitely seem like it seems like they like Patrick and Blake Anderson have the exact same vibe to me they're the same person they are I actually thought I, Blake Anderson was here but I'll settle for Patrick it's fine that's well, okay <laughs> I've heard that a few couple times uh, Scott Barlow also I don't know if the if the A's have played the Royals but now I'm getting a Scott Barlow comp uh, with, with the long hair so that's very lazy though like oh you guys have the same hair you're the same person a little bit mm -hmm. color well, Susie gets that all the time at the ballpark. So, I mean, we're, we're definitely both in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, no, people think I'm Kelsey Wingert. Um, the other day, someone thought I was Austin Gomber's wife because she's blonde with dark eyebrows. Um, so, yeah, there's just a, a gaggle of us who are just all confused for each other. Oh, yeah. There's, there's worse people I've been confused. Uh, if somebody thought I was Kelsey Winger, I would not, like, oh, correct them. I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you. If I'm, yeah. 
if I'm going to be mixed up with like a gorgeous woman who's like super nice to everyone, I'm like, yeah, her. Yeah. What's up? Say, call me Kelsey and tell you can't anymore. I get it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So Jessica, do we do want to talk more Oakland A's, but your background, Reno, Nevada, right? Do you, do you keep tabs on Reno guys? And we kind of need to know because our guy G Hamp, Garrett Hampson is also from Reno. So I do. Um, but I think did Garrett, I think he went to Galena. Did he go to Galena high school? <laughs> I got Long Beach State as his you know as his college and I, I don't I don't have the high schools down. Just oh, okay, got it. So I but yeah, so the thing was um I actually got my start with the Reno Aces. It's a really cool story. Um I used to watch Eric Burns play. He was always there on a rehab assignment because the dude was always getting hurt because he likes to dive for anything. And um, I think one day he literally was playing center field and I looked up and he was in the third base dugout, like going for a ball, like, no, don't worry, third base, like I got this. And, you know, growing up a baseball fan, I knew who these guys were. And like in Reno, they didn't understand like, Eric Burns has a rehab assignment. Like Tim Lincecum's been there um, on a rehab assignment and everything like that. But you fast forward like about a decade later and Eric Burns asked me to, to host a show with him. And now he hosts a show that in burning questions, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, they actually I have some cool stuff coming up with them. Um, I can't reveal quite yet, but it's my hometown. You know, it was the, the team that I grew up watching and blog and got my first couple blogs out of there. And, I feel like minor league baseball is so imperative, not just to obviously the players, but to our careers as well. It made me more comfortable to talk to the guys or write about the guys, or you know how to search for storylines a little bit better. And AAA is really dope because it's a lot of guys that are journeymen, but it's also a lot of guys who, like I said, are on those uh, rehab assignments or they get the demotions or they get the promotions. So it's all this stuff like that. So I do keep in, in touch with a little bit of them. I don't, not as hardcore as I should, but I do know that the PCL is always a fun time, but not if you're a pitcher. So there's that. True. He went to yeah. Reno high school. Reno high school. Okay. Well, that's probably 13. Yeah. So that was a little long after I graduated high school. So there's that, but I do, I do know of the Reno connection. Yes. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good baseball community. We love is them. It? Is it? Okay. Okay. I'll go with that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Fantastic. Okay. So before we let you go, cause I know you're very busy. Um, we have spotted a lot of very rare jerseys, not just the tacos jersey we saw yesterday, uh, but we love seeing all kinds of weird, random jerseys. What are some that you've spotted at the park this season that just, like, really stand out to you? Um, there's one. Am I allowed to cuss on this? Yeah. Okay, yeah. just making sure. So there was one that somebody made um, actual, what do you even call it, like a personalized jersey and it says omwtfyb and that means on my way to fuck your bitch and so that one <laughs> came up just yesterday um so there's that one there's also dan heron he that jersey showed up um and it's funny because the turnover is so it happens so much on the A's. If somebody makes a personalized jersey of their own last name, I'm just gonna automatically assume it's a former player, just because if you're if you were if you aren't on the A's right now, you will be type of a deal. Um, I had a personalized Kleinschmidt jersey, and I was like, I bet you some kid named Kleinschmidt's gonna come through the minors soon. 
um, and such a rare last name. Um, but yeah, I mentioned uh, the Brett Laurie jersey was the one that really stood out to me because I, I had so much hype and investment into him, just emotional investment, because not only was he a good player, but I thought he would have been so good for the actual organization because the organization is so like fun and raw and funky and grindy and gritty. And I love it. And I thought he would have been great. He obviously didn't pan out. Um, I think I posted about uh, AJ Griffin, which is really funny because he was wow. a big guy during the AL West days when they would win the AL West constantly, um, probably about three or four years into Bob Melvin's tenure. Um, I believe I saw Scott Sizemore jersey the other day. Uh, yesterday, I think I, what did I tweet out about? Um, Adam Rosales, who's actually in the minor league organization as a coach. Um, so those types of things are always really fun, but the, the, the one that's always funny for the A's is the player to be named later Jersey that I randomly will pop up. And that's always something cool. But my favorite part is knowing that I used to look up to some of these guys and now, or even a Dallas Braden Jersey I'll see. And it's like, Oh, that guy's not only my colleague, he's like my brother now and stuff like that. So you don't, you're not aware of the impact some of those uniforms have, but there's always, there's like so many Matt Chapman jerseys still running around and. That just, you know, that's going to happen. We get the yeah. Arenado jerseys a lot. Uh, so, but you you love to see the obscure ones because even when, as you said, Griffin, Rosales, Dallas Braden, even of their times, they weren't superstars. They were yeah. they were very good players on that team. And again, that that shows the the passion that's there uh, in Oakland. You know, just despite the attendance, I think that it's about something totally different other than the the passion that Oakland fans have. Uh, they get it. We don't know if uh, maybe you can confirm, uh, maybe it has to be off the record, if the possums and the other critters around the Oakland Coliseum do get counted towards attendance. Not sure if that's official or not. Okay. Maybe um, I do know my multiple personalities do not go into <laughs> the attendance, so I highly doubt the possums do. But I will say the possum every now and then does show up in the Twitter feed, and it's fun, and it's unique, and we love it. And when I worked for Cut 4, Susie knows my time during Cut 4, if there's any animals on the field, we would view that as like our Super Bowl. That was our Super Bowl. You remember like the cats that would run on, on the field, of course, during the Cardinals game, and that's the good stuff. You love funkiness. You're not going to remember like the fact that I saw an A.J. Griffin jersey, but you will remember we had the possum pop up during our press you know press coverages or during the broadcasts and i kind of love it um do not feed them do not play with them kids but look at them from and i'm glad nobody got hurt in that scenario too like the possum stayed fine um there was that raccoon that recently popped up during a college baseball game and like that poor thing i know it's it's a raccoon but like poor thing was probably traumatized so just you know he seemed stressed. That was a stressed out raccoon. Just I have a feel, yeah, I'm like, you were being passed around. Like it, it was like a rock, rock concert. They're like putting him through like the, the, yeah, the crowd surfing. And like, it was just really, but not a fun crowd surfing. Like, ew, no. poor thing. Ugh. Crowd surfing against his will. Oh yeah. That's not a, that's never a good time. Never. Rally, a good time. I like the rally rodents. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely here for that. Jessica, my, my last question. It's not a, it's not a good one. It, it, it's going to be a little painful, but 1% to 10% or not 10%, 100% uh, that, that Oakland ends up, uh, the athletics end up moving to another city. Obviously that's a, it's a big conversation. The, the Howard terminal. I mean, that looks amazing. Like that's a no brainer, but it hasn't happened. And so that question has to get put out there. Oakland or the athletics, are they going to stay in Oakland? I'm, 
about 90% sure they're going to stay in Oakland. And I genuinely mean that. Um, I, of course, I work with Dave Cabell. He's the president. He's been working his butt off. Um, And it's it's obviously changing a lot. And there's a lot of hoops that we have to jump through. The environmental impact statement is definitely a big one. Um, But the one thing that I was very impressed with, and I want people to know, you know, the the A's uh, renting out the Coliseum is through the 2024 season. And people are saying, why don't they just stay there and rebuild? And you guys of all people know, you're, you go to like the Cardinals and they have the ballpark village around. That is so imperative to success, not just for the teams, but the surrounding businesses and everything like that. And then think about the fact that if a, an ace player was, or a f- future ace player just got signed in free agency part of this the perks is like a really beautiful ballpark and i'm biased i think the coliseum is dope and because it's the big thing that you know i wanted to be an a's reporter when i was 12 and it's the first place i ever saw an mlb game but i know what it's up against you know what i mean and you're right the the renderings are gorgeous cavill's working really hard to make sure it happens he's got a really good relationship with local politicians and making sure that that happens, the city council and everything like that. I'm very, very confident. Um, and I will say even the council wants the A's to stay in Oakland because it's the last major, you know, professional team besides the Sharks really out here. Um, you know, of course, the Raiders moved to Vegas, uh, the Warriors moved to San Francisco. And it's just it's Oakland and it's funky and it's and it's urban and it's beautiful. And I feel like that's super imperative. And you need that ballpark village vibe. And that's what the Jack London Square could do at Howard Terminal. So I'm pretty confident and I hope people are understanding that we're working really hard to make sure that that becomes a reality. That's awesome. That is really awesome. 90%. I, I love that. I, yeah. I think that. Would and be- I, that's me being genuine. I genuinely, um, because there was one point where I, I, I think this is about a year and a half ago. I, I, you, I, if you were to ask me that today, it would have been way, way lower. Um, but I know that they're working hard and I've physically seen it, you know, and now that I'm more, in front of the scenes, if you will, working for the actual A's, I'm seeing more of it. So yeah, they're working really hard to turn this into a reality. I am so rooting for the A's to stay in Oakland. Um, I mean, once I left Philly, you know, this is just the next best place, right? Yeah. Um, So I, I really hope it all works out. Jess, thank you so much for coming on and talking a bunch of baseball and some other nonsense with us. Uh, Tell us, tell everyone where we can all follow you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I post everything there, Kleinschmidt JD, and then Instagram, Jessica Kleinschmidt. I'm very, very active on social media, and I love that I get a lot more access right now with the A's now that I'm working for them. So pay attention to all the stuff that we're putting out, developing all kinds of cool ideas, um, and going to st- still stick around the minors because I feel like that stuff's been really fun. And yeah, that's where you can find all of my stuff. Thank you so, so much, much Jess. Jessica. Thanks, guys. Oh, she's an angel. I love her. That was awesome. Uh, that yeah. that that was really great. Uh, about as great as the great dental care from Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, especially since right now, when you schedule a cleaning, X-ray, and exam with Green Mountain Dental Group, you're gonna get a free Sonicare toothbrush. The same Sonicare toothbrush used by DNVR Rockies host Patrick Lyons. Yes, I, I use a Sonicare toothbrush. So if that's not enough to get you down there, again, thousands of Rockies and Denver sports fans who are smiling all around town with pearly white smiles too, I might add, go to Green Mountain Dental Group. They've all switched over. We love that they've taken care of our folks. Uh, They're gonna take care of you once you give them a call. Again, cleaning x-ray and exam, you get a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Yeah, I love having 
Jessica on just for Jessica. But sometimes you forget that in other cities that are maybe on are falling on hard times, right? Uh, Oakland obviously has that organization obviously has, but then you see what the people are doing there and you know, there's still all these great stories going on. Uh, and it's just a great reminder that, Hey, it's, it's still baseball when it's, as long as it's baseball, it's going to be great. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I like the Coliseum. The area around it is pretty rough, but I was actually pleasantly surprised with all that they had going on. They had tons of food options. Uh, there, there's a treehouse bar, um, up in the third level. And that's really fun with great views, great beers. Um, and it was a little nostalgic for me as a Philly fan originally by birth, um, because it reminded me of if they kept the vet alive. So like, yeah, it's like, you know, not totally in the best shape, but I just, I felt very at home at the Coliseum, but I was going to, you know, I was going to ask you about that because it's like those concrete donuts just don't exist anymore. And so it's funny. I actually really like Oakland spring training facility at a Hohokam park because mm -hmm. it's not brand new. It's not grungy, but it's just not new. And it just harkens back to the era of the eighties. And I kind of, kind of really dig that. And I think, I think major league baseball, if they had their druthers, they would actually stay in Oakland because mm -hmm. what that it does a couple things. If you can keep, uh, the athletics in Oakland and maybe figure out the Miami situation a little bit. I, I mean, they got a brand new stadium, so they're stuck, but Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay and Oakland, if you can figure out those situations and maybe get new ballparks, what that does is it's going to drive up the price of the expansion fees. Because if, if the athletics move to Las Vegas and let's say Tampa moves to Montreal, well, now who's bidding on these, Mm -hmm. You know, who's bidding on these teams, right? Oakland's out. Oakland's not going to be bidding on an expansion team. Tampa Bay is not going to be bidding on it. So what you do is you actually keep the markets like Montreal and Las Vegas to overbid and and, and to, to put a, in a better bid. So it's actually better. And, and I think baseball still can be successful in Tampa Bay and in Oakland. And so, yeah, the, the, the plans that they have drawn up for the athletics in Oakland, if they were to stay there at Howard Terminal, would be fantastic. And so I hope that does happen for all those, all those hardcore fans and hardcore possums out there and hardcore possums. I'm not sure the possums will make the move, but I wouldn't mind if they did. Cause I actually think possums are great. So welcome to our new segment called Susie's possum corner. You think I'm joking and I'm not, but possums are actually not a gross animal. They are a fantastic animal. I know a lot about them and uh, we're going to get into it. So you ready for some possum facts? I think I am. I think I'm ready for, I'm, I'm ready to cluster possums just into the rally rodent spectrum. And, and I know we know Coors cat. Well, well, maybe we can talk about Coors cat from last year. Uh, but the possums, the raccoons, just lump them in there. It's a type of rally rodent. And I'm, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about opossums. And maybe that's the first thing. We should look now. We'll, we'll talk, we'll debate on that later, but go ahead. <laughs> so, colloquially, they're known as possums. <laughs> That's so, what I call them, too. That's what I call them, too. I... Everyone does. Everyone does. All right. Fact number one if you look at them, they are actually cute. Possums are cute. If you think they're ugly, you need to rethink. Maybe go get some Randall Gritchick glasses. Fact number two they eat so many ticks. A possum will eat about 5,000 ticks every year. That means they are a great defender against Lyme's disease. Number three, they can't get rabies because their bodies are too freaking cold. 
So you don't have to be afraid of interacting with the possum. They can't give you rabies. Number four, listen, they got short lives, okay? They only live about a year or two in the wild. So let them live their best life. If they want to hang out in the press box, if they want to run across the field, just let them. No consequences for them. And of course, fact number five, most possums are actually Braves fans. Uh, this is generational because of former Boston Brave, George Bostick Possum Witted. Um, he was part of the 1914 team that started in last place as of the 4th of July in 1914. And they ended up sweeping the Philadelphia Athletics in four games in that World Series. Um, uh, he is my new favorite old-timey baseball guy. So um, I had a lot of fun putting this together. But that, that's everything you need to know about possums. The 1914 Miracle Braves were, were spurned on by a possum. In fact, I should probably love possums because... I have Lyme disease. I I am also I'm a Lyme disease survivor. Yes, uh, I I got mine when I was six years old, and then I and I thought it it ran its course. Like I I didn't know. It wasn't until like I was in college that I had to do some kind of research paper, and I was like, oh no, you just you keep it forever. Like it just it stays with you. I was like, oh, all right. So I'm pretty thankful it doesn't uh, impact me at all. It, it affected a cousin of mine who lived in Colorado, came and visited us in New Jersey. And so they didn't know what the heck it was out here in Colorado, had it for years, uh, messed up her vision a little bit, lost some hearing in one of her ears. Like it's, it's bad if it goes undiagnosed, if that toxin or that, that poison keeps coursing through your blood. So thankfully it doesn't impact me. All right. Lyme disease corner. Yeah. You too. How, how long ago we did have you get- so many, We have so many random things in common and it's like never anything. It's always like the weirdest stuff. Like we're both ambidextrous. We both have Lyme's disease. Um, this is, it's, this is hilarious to me, but yes, um, possums are heroes to the Lyme's disease community. So we thank them for that. Clearly. Wow. There you mm-hmm. go. And where was Lyme disease founded or where? In Lyme, Connecticut. There you go. Lyme, Connecticut. <laughs> only about an hour away from Dunkin' Donuts Park. That's it. That's it. One of the things that Jessica said, which was so spot on, was like those quadruple A players that are the veteran guys that they're too good for AAA, right? Like, you know, they're 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 good, they dominate, but then they can't really make a go of it in the majors. And those veteran players, because I I remember um, when I first started working for DNVR and going down to Albuquerque, talking with a utility infielder by the name of Sean O'Malley. He never played with the Rockies, but Look up his baseball reference page. You know, he had a cup of coffee there with the Angels. And he actually had some really cool Albert Pujols stories just talking about how nice he was. And I think he, you know, took him out or something like that when uh, it was his birthday or made a big, you know, show of it because he was in the majors at that time. And so it's just you, you, you just learn so much about the fabric of the game and the people behind the scenes in the minor leagues. I don't need to tell you that. I, I know yeah. you know that. So it's cool to hear someone who's at the major league level talk so fondly besides you and I just yeah. talk so fondly about minor league baseball and how important it is. It's, it's it, the ball players they work their way up. And for so many of us, we work our way up from there too. You don't just go from, you know, college to the big leagues like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't happen whether you're on the field or whether you're, you're covering the game in the press box. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like I know we're nerds about minor league baseball, but it's nice to know that other people share that fondness along with us. 
Um, did you say O'Malley got to do a birthday dinner with the pitcher, Albert Pujols? Wasn't a dinner, but it was with pitcher Albert Pujols. Yes. <laughs> pitcher Pujols. Fantastic. I love seeing that. That was, I got a kick out of that. I'm really curious if that was his idea, Joe Madden's idea, someone else, did somebody else go in and say, come on, let's, let's do that. So now besides having, and we'll, we'll, for the sake of argument, the best player in all of baseball, Mike Trout, besides having him, they now have a pair of two-way players in Shohei Otani and Albert Pujols. I tell you, you had the angels going to the postseason, Susie, you were there, you had your scouting. I don't know how. Did you know the Pujols part? Was that the one part you didn't know? You knew everything else, I think, about the Angels, right? Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's also a Cardinal now, so. Oh, yeah. You can't keep track of him. Uh, So tired. You haven't had a day off in, like. Well, technically, yes. Technically, Sunday was a day off, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. No, he's he's (laughs) Nolan's coworker now. I wonder what. Josh Fuentes' cousin thinks of that. When I said Joe Madden, was that the giveaway that, oh, I was just like, no. mm, I'm like, I don't think, I'm like, I don't think we're having the same conversation right now. No, we're not. I'll, I will say this. I am excited to see Robinson Cano come to Coors Field this weekend. Oh, wait, no, I do know that. <laughs> um, but we, we, we haven't, we haven't talked about that. Um, the fact that the San Diego Padres picked up Robinson Cano on uh, you know veteran minimum right his salary's already been paid out by the New York Mets and uh, Jared Kelnick too the guy he was traded for got sent to the minors so um, that will be interesting to see how Cano some guys like that they always find a way to kind of bounce back like they get that rude awakening and then they still got more in the tank I mean, we kind of saw it with Pujols where you know he he was used sparingly obviously last year at the Dodgers and you know we've seen him obviously just in that DH role besides pitching now. Uh, with the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team, in which he is a member of, which we all know. Uh, but, you know, there's there's that second life and there's that resurgence. And so Cano with the Padres, maybe. Uh, Justin Upton's still dangling out there, I believe. Has he signed with anyone? I don't think he has. I don't think so. I keep checking every, like, three days to to, to double-check because <laughs> – do you, oh, you over- check on him that much? I don't check on him that much. <laughs> well, only because he's a free agent, and, and he, he keeps coming up. Because in the dugout, uh, we were having a conversation about the greatest amateur players that uh, a couple people in the Rocky scouting department had ever seen. And they said three come to mind. And one was a, a kid out of Las Vegas, Bryce Harper. Okay, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. One was uh, a guy from California from the 80s that was Barry Bonds okay that makes sense and the other one was someone out of the Virginia area and a couple names were thrown out in this little quick little trivia contest and I thought well Justin Upton was you know he almost went right to the majors out of high school and sure enough it was Justin Upton so there are some people in the Rockies front office that you know have been fond of Justin Upton for some time they were fond of Chris Bryant and you know brought him here obviously much different circumstance here with Justin Upton but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if if he had some a little bit left in the tank. And so hmm. Justin Upton to the Colorado Rockies, probably not. But you know what? It's fun to throw that out there. Maybe you never, never know, know because I feel like if Dick Mofford is fond of you, he's gonna he's gonna get you, even if it takes like a decade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and Upton's really not 
that old. I would guess he yeah. was probably 36. Uh, maybe he's younger than that. No, he's uh, he's 34. So, I mean, we talked about Zach Greinke possibly having, you know, several more years at age 38. And so Justin Upton, you got to think, has a lot more left in him. You know, Why you not? Why you got not? the DH situation there. Obviously, you don't want a log jam. The Phillies are dealing with that right now with Bryce Harper. And so, you know, you're not going to be able to get Castellanos and, and Nick uh, and Kyle Schwarber off his feet. Uh, those guys are going to have to play every single day in the field. Uh, or or somebody or, or Harper needs an is going to get an off day. And those other corner outfielders are, you know, going to the DH spot. So you, you don't want to block that. But I don't know. Justin Upton might look good in purple. Mine, yeah. Anything, you know. If there's one thing we know about Colorado, it's that literally anything can happen. Just about, just about. Um, do want to do want to ask your your take? Because obviously, uh, you were not on the show last year. But when all the the business went down in that opening weekend against the Dodgers with the Coors Cat, what what were your thoughts about that? I haven't I haven't heard that really even buzzed about a lot. But like to Jessica's point. That's something that everybody connects with right away. Even if you're not a sports fan, you're just like, oh, that's unusual. I can recognize that fact. And so, okay, I, I, I'm interested now. What, what were your takes on the Coors Cat back in April of 2021? I mean, I am always very interested whenever any creature is running across the field, whether it's a drunk fan or some kind of stray animal. But when I saw the Coors Cat last year, I was like, oh, heck yes. I'm like, this is all, I'm like, this is great for the Rockies. I'm like, they're winning the World Series now with this rally cat. Um, I, I thought it was hysterical. Oh, yeah, that, that that was pretty wild. And then we end up learning more about there being, I, I think maybe there's like 30 feral cats that kind of live and they take care of the possum and, and rodent situation at Coors Field. So they, they're the closest we're going to come to to having any kind of rally rodent. They're not rodents, but you know what? They are our rally animal du jour. Du jour. You know, there was, a, there was an animal that broke into the press box yesterday in the, for the Rockies. Um, D- Dinger broke into the press box to sneak he, up he on me. He does frequently. Yes. He does, no, he usually does, he's on the outside. He's doing it more and more. He used to just stay outside of the glass, but now he comes into the press box to find me and usually terrify me. It's the best thing ever. Does a good job with that. There was a uh, there was a rally hawk that lived out on the scoreboard. I want to say, I don't know, 2014, 2015, something a like bird? that. A rally yeah. hawk? Yeah. Bird? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was a bald eagle, but it was some kind of hawk. I, I would imagine it's probably like a Cooper's hawk. They're very common uh, in, in this area of Colorado. So uh, we're, we're, we're due for one here with, with the Rockies currently sitting at 17 and 17 they're at 500 giants come to town we'll kind of wait and see what happens antonio Sensatella, chad cool kyle freeland projected to start over these next three games against gabe kapler's crew alex wood alex cobb who they faced last week and logan webb projected to be the starter and then coming up you know i got i got my eye on the next weekend already not the road trip yet we're not going to think about pittsburgh and washington dc just yet but Potential starter on Saturday, Colorado's own David Peterson for the Mets. That would be pretty cool. I'd very much uh, be here for that. Doesn't look like Max Scherzer, though, will be starting for the Mets. So that's a bummer. That would have been nice to see. 
it would have been very interesting to see, especially because, I mean, you know, he's obviously one of the best pitchers we'll ever see, but, it, you know, also just he's been all over the news from stopping the, I'm sure you saw this. I'm not sure who else saw this. I'll but, say this. Um, I, I, for the first time in a while on Facebook, I was going into some groups. I wanted to see if I was going to buy like some lawn furniture from someone in the neighborhood. They're like, okay. all right, I could use some use some furniture for the patio. And I remembered um, that the Effectively Wild group from Fangraphs, they, they do a lot on Facebook. Uh, it's, it's the best baseball podcast out there. I also listen to Baseball Tonight with ESPN. I know you like that one. Um, but the effectively wild gets super nerdy and into the weeds. And so it can get very hardcore. And the first thing that popped up in the group was a screenshot of your tweet about Max Scherzer doing what he, you were about to say. But I go, even even on like a half of a day off, I cannot escape at the Susie Hunter. You get Twitter, no days off you for me. Nope, yeah. nope, I am everywhere. Um, so yes, on Friday night, um, the Mets were hosting a Japanese Heritage Night. Um, they have a bunch of events like this um, all throughout the month of May. So uh, they, for Japanese Heritage Night, they had the Japanese ambassador to the U.S. supposed to throw out a first pitch. Um, but Max Scherzer beats him to the mound, and he doesn't get to throw out that first pitch. That I, I want to see the video like leading up to that because the, the video that is, is around, you already see Scherzer into the pitch and then the 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 He's poor so Japanese gentleman is like, I don't, where do I? And then a Mets wrangler is like, just get off the field. It's too late. But how could it have been? Maybe just Scherzer didn't want to wait for it. And he just was like, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I would, I'm still waiting for more context. And a couple of Mets fans did send me some nasty, mean messages for yeah. saying anything bad about Max Scherzer. But then a lot of other Mets fans were just like, yeah, that's him. You know, he's, he's going to do what he's going to do. But did you say anything bad about him or did you just happen to point out what happened? I just pointed out what happened. Exactly. That's it. That's all I did. But Mets fans aren't reasonable all the time. We have to recognize no, that. They're... So I'm excited to see them at Coors Field later on this week. I have uh, Mets fans in my family tree. So uh, I am very, very well aware. But we know, like, because they announced, you know, the temperature, you know, what's going on with the wind and the time of the first pitch in the press box. And so sometimes, like tonight, we got a 640 game. They might say, First pitch, 641. And you go, all right, there was a minute delay. Um, maybe, I don't even know if I've ever had like a two-minute delay. Maybe. But sometimes it'll be one-minute type of delay. Well, Max Scherzer very clearly was probably looking at that clock. I'm like, no, there's not going to be a one-minute delay mm -hmm. for first pitch. I am going out there. So it would be interesting to know what's going on behind the scenes of Mets PR of like, no, we got to make sure we hit those marks when we say this has to go down at this time, it's got to go down at this time or else, you know, we could have an international incident. I don't know. Maybe this is an international incident. It feels like an international incident, but I will say, you know, it is also possible that maybe the people who are coordinating the in-game experience got the timing wrong and that's why this all happened. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering, I'm like, 
So, you know, ballparks have, you know, nights like this all the time where, you know, a certain group of people are being celebrated. There's a first pitch. It's for a special reason. Do Are players obligated to care about these special causes that the fans are here for, or are they obligated to just do their job? This is a philosophical question I have right now. Well, no, that that I was exactly where I was going. You, you got Max Scherzer making forty plus million dollars, and then you have an intern or somebody you know making close to minimum wage because it's their first job. But hey, it's with the Mets. It's in New York. They're making it. They're in the big leagues, like trying to corral these people. And you're like, wow, the, those two worlds seem like they should never, they should barely be crossing paths, and yet they have to occupy the same dirt mound at almost the exact same time. And yeah, the, the $40 million athlete is going to win that one. So hopefully the, the, this gentleman gets a, a redo. I hope so I too. Know. Well, so yeah, he did not get a chance to throw out that first pitch. I hope, hope he gets his redo because I mean, throwing out a first pitch at city field has got to be so cool. But the next night Shakira was there and everyone's taking pictures with her. And I'm like, okay, we need to be making a big deal about this Japanese ambassador, too. He should have gotten to at least also hang out with Shakira. Those are my thoughts on the matter. Well, I did actually hear uh, to make it up to the Japanese ambassador, he did bat lead off the next night for the Brooklyn Cyclones. So, you know what? I think they did make do. Uh, he did ground out to the third baseman 5-3. But he put the ball in play, and so nice <laughs> job by him. <laughs> Absurd. Absurd. It you hear it, but then you go, hey, Garth Brooks got a couple ABs in spring training. Russell Wilson did. It's a slightly different situation, but still, you know what? Why not? Have some fun with it. Make up for it. Have some good press. I mean, Brooklyn Cyclones, they do a lot of really fun things anyway, so I'm sure they wouldn't be opposed to it. Why not? They, I bet they would do it. Um, uh, yeah, I love the Brooklyn Cyclones, too. That's a really cool ballpark. That's it. Well, we've got a real cool ballpark we've got to get down to there on the corner sure. of – 20th and Blake, uh, different corner than Colfax in New York. That's the DNVR bar. You can watch the game down there if you don't have a ticket or if you want to go to the Avs party, the Avs watch party on Tuesday night. It's going to be popping off. Uh, remember, if you're a member, you get a member-sized beer. Subscribe, become a member at the DNVR.com. Now only 50 cents for your first month. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons. I am at the Susie Hunter. This feels good. It feels great. We're going to keep the momentum going, but you know what they say. Momentum is only as good as tomorrow's show. So we'll talk to you then.